chasing a ballpark figure in terms of volumes is important scientifically. But ultimately, I think it is there is that element of quality over quantity sometimes. Mm. I think working with sprinters, I think that's the challenge that I have when freshers come in, first years come in, and they've done, you know, some sprinters have come in and oh, I've done a six, seven K session twice a day. And then they come in with me and, you know, for my group, they train some t- six sessions up to seven sessions a week. And they're like, oh, once a day, that's not enough. And they're like, just wait and see. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. And as you have just heard on this week's show, we are talking sprint coaching with Connor Andrews from Loughborough University. Yeah, interesting episode for you guys today as we take a deep dive into the world of sprint coaching with Connor. Uh, let's see if we can get Connor to pass on any advice or messages or just simply inspire anyone listening in who's just looking to become a swim coach in the future. Yeah, and maybe bust a few myths about sprinters being lazy. I, I'd appreciate that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's jump into this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. Connor, thanks for joining us this week. How are things going over in Loughborough? They're going great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been been a very good start to the season, I think, as a whole for Loughborough. So, just got to keep that momentum going. Brilliant. Now, before we get into the tough topics of sprint coaching, I want to start with one thing. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll you'll see the visual. Movember. So, why is the squad doing it? Is the simple question. What's the benefit of you guys taking part in Movember this year? I think it's a great cause. I mean, personally, I've done it um, for the last five years. Um, And I think just talking to our leadership group, which is based of um, two swimmers from each squad, um, quite a lot of the males voiced about doing it. And um, I think we've seen other universities do it and publicise it and get quite good backing and, and raise quite a bit of money. Um, so we thought, why not? Let's all do it this year. So I think we've got 12 lads from each squad um, as a whole. So it's a complete mixture um, to do it. And it's just been, it's been a bit of a, <laughs> it's been quite funny, let's say. I've got the group <laughs> chat and uh, yeah, the updates every day on growth, <laughs> even it's just more the hair or something like that. It's just... <laughs> Yeah, phenomenal. Um, and then I've got a couple of boys that are blonde and they're just there like, right, we're going to do it. We're going to raise money. But I promise you, I'm growing my moustache. <laughs> <laughs> they got my problem. <laughs> I was going to say, what are we, eight days in? How how has it gone? Is there any like sort of standout tashes going on? I think uh, Will Bell, definitely. His, his tash yeah. is strong. Um, apart from that, I think this is the first time Alex Cahoon's grown a moustache, and then, uh, and then I think, yeah, I think Harvey Freeman's got a good strong tash as well at the minute. So it'd be interesting to see the developments across the uh, month for sure. <laughs> nice. Yeah, hundred percent. We'll we'll keep an eye out and we'll post your um, your fundraising links on our social. Mm. That's Definitely amazing. That. That's amazing. I think, yeah, um, yeah obviously we're a week in, and I set a target of five hundred pounds, which I thought you know, quite ambitious, I thought, but we've reached it already. So that that's great for us. So, I mean, now it's like, can we double it? Mm. Okay, then. So let's, let's start talking coaching. And the first place I want to start is for a swim coach, you are relatively young in the, the game of coaching. So I, I guess what made you start being a coach at so young? Because 
don't know, like most people stay in sport for a while and then they drop out and then maybe come back when they've got kids. So it's it's almost like swim coaching in this country is quite a, it's not a young man's game. So what's it like being one of the younger coaches out there? Um, I wouldn't say isolating, but it is quite strange, especially at competitions when you look around and you're like, oh, let's see if there's any coaches around my age and there generally isn't. Um and I think for me personally, like a bit of background, like um, I think I've always, I've always been intrigued into coaching. Um, I've always had a good relationship with my coach, and I've always strived to be like them. Um, and I think when I when I swam, because coming through, I I swam for Loughborough Uni for a couple of years. But I think when I knew the time was right. I wanted to, because I've got such a great passion for the sport, I thought, right, I think now would be the great time to volunteer and help out and see if it is an avenue I'd like to pursue. Mm-hmm. And how do you think being involved in uh, sports volunteering right at the very beginning has actually helped you develop and progress, both both personally and uh, professionally as well? Oh, I think a thousand percent has helped so much. Um, just, you know, the coaches that are around to help develop me and help um, pass on knowledge um, I mean I think I was 19 when I started coaching and that that just came about from me being a second year um, student studying sports science at Loughborough and I was looking at doing a placement year and I thought what can I do to carry on swimming but also potentially start coaching mm. and Mike Perigrew my coach at the time at Loughborough said well why don't you speak to Andy Manley and see if that would be an avenue here so you can carry on. So I thought, great, brilliant. Had a meeting with Andy. He was really behind it because um, I think as a programme, as a big programme, we always need the help. Mm. Um, and it helped me as well carry on swimming. I mean, throughout that year, I then stopped and became more full-time. Um, and I was pretty much an assistant to Ian Hume and Andy Manley. Um, and that year taught me a lot. I, I learned a lot from both of them. Um, but by the end of the year, I, I sort of knew, actually, I think this is what I'd like to do mm. after I leave uni. Um, I think after after that year, Andy just said to me, he was there like, you, you know, you, you qualified. Um, why not give you your own group when you're doing your final year of your undergrad? Volunteer, still help out with us so we can carry on keeping an eye on you sort of thing. Um, but just experiment. They knew I've got a sports science background. I mean, I went on after that to do a master's in physiology and I am um, that sort of geared um, so it, it was just like a, if we give you a group of 30 and they can be they'll sit below the performance tier mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want we'll we'll keep tabs and we'll meet up with you every week look at the sessions you're doing um, observe you and, and just see how we go but ultimately it was just free reigns you do what you, you'd like to do with them in terms of your training philosophy um so that that's how it then started so when i started my final year of undergrad it was just a balance of doing that and then coaching this group six times a week Mm. and for this group they were all county regional level and for all of them speaking to them it was just we want to go fast every session it's like a workout um and they just said to me like connor if you want to experiment and learn and, and develop like use us as like guinea pigs basically <laughs> which is great for me 
yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I did say to them, if you want to go fast every time, it's going to be a long and a hard year for, for you guys, obviously, because <laughs> they're, they're students as well. But they were all for it, which was great. <laughs> wow. So is that how you kind of transitioned out of your volunteer role? It was starting to impress the main coaches because... I don't know, maybe that transition isn't talked about enough, how you go from doing it free of charge to getting paid. Is that like yeah. a, da a daunting kind of transition? Um, yeah, I think it's um, right place, right time for me. Um, so as I said, I've, I assisted on my placement with Ian and Andy with the top groups. Um, finally, of my undergrad, I volunteered with what was called the Athletic Union Group which like I said it was county and regional level swimmers so that first year passed. And then I said to Andy, like, I'd like to study a master's. So he was there, like, great, we'll, we'll keep things as it is. Um, we did. I asked if I could put the numbers from 30 down to 24 and gain a couple of extra sessions, which he agreed. And then that's when the level of the intake of that following year, when we have our trials in October, ramped up. And it went from county to regional to regional to national level. And in that year, I was able to develop those athletes so that they were all qualifying for British champs um, and then either English summers or scraping into British, which was great. And then coming to the end of that year, um, an opportunity arose in um, the performance development side to have to have my own group. And Andy pretty much said to me, like, look, like, if you want to still be involved with the programme, we'd love to have you. You've done a great job. We've, we've obviously seen what you've been doing the last few years. Would you like to stay and obviously have a higher level group, which I was so grateful for and took on. Mm. Um, so I've done that now for two years, coaching for the last five years in, in total, but the last two have been the performance side of things mm. where I'm coaching national, national level yeah. athletes. It's really interesting because from the outside looking in, Loughborough is this almighty setup in British swimming. And... Yet, despite the the names right at the top, which are world class, they're international athletes and international class coaches, it's still a program that needs volunteers to succeed. Like it needs that bottom of the pyramid, and it's so often the case throughout so many clubs in the country. And maybe it would, maybe it does go forgotten that actually Loughborough, this this big setup, does rely on them as well. One thousand percent. I mean. One of our goals as a program is to be the biggest and the best in Britain. And so that means having 80 athletes and there's four full-time members of staff coaching, we do need the help. Mm. Um, but that's where the university is very good with the Coaching Volunteering Academy to get people involved that have a passion for it and to get them helping. And that might be, you know, just helping assist with timing or just, you know, being there for the swimmers if they need anything um, and helping to, like, teach them and build them up. I mean, for me, it was quite easy to jump into it because I knew the setup, I knew the programme, I knew the training philosophies. Um, so it was just a quick, quick and easy fix. Um, but I think in terms of the setup with the uni, with the CVA, it's called, I think they've nailed it. Um, but obviously, as I say, there's 80 athletes in the uni programme, but that doesn't include the national centre as well. So if you think about swimmers, there's, you know, over 100 there. And obviously there are some that study in the national centre as well. So it's a very big setup. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever considered moving away from Loughborough? I know you've just said that the setup is amazing, the coaches are amazing, they've given you all, all these opportunities, but have you 
actively looked elsewhere to your Baths or Sterlings or you know Millfields anywhere else? Um, I said I'm quite a loyal, loyal person. I mm. think um, I think last year us winning Bucks overall. I think uh, as a university overall, all sports we've won it for the last forty three years. And I think it's stats and things like that that make me go like, why would I go why elsewhere? Would I leave? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think we've as a as a club or as a sport sw- swimming at Bucks, we've hit the record. I think it was like one thousand two hundred fifty six points, off the top of my head. I think it's the most <laughs> one sport has got ever, which like just speaks volumes of the development and the growth that the programme's had, especially under Andy since 2016. It's been, it's been really good. Yeah. It, I don't know if coaches have this like on their chalkboard, but is there a coaching dream, like a dream role, maybe a dream result that you look for as a coach or you are looking for maybe down the line 10, 15 years? I mean, I've not looked that forward yeah, I think it's just one one season that it comes with me, and just trying to grow and reflect on what I've done the following the previous year. Um, but I think in terms of long term, yeah, I'd love to be a director. Um, in like, I think it would be a dream that in the future, in years' time, if I were like the director of Loughborough, that that would be amazing. Um, a real, I think that would probably be my dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's always that that dream of like coaching in the states. Okay. I think that's there as well. Um, but I think for me, I'm so happy here. I mean, I grew up in, in Cornwall. I mean, I swam when I was younger in Plymouth. So coming to Loughborough, I have sort of left home, left the nest. Mm. And I am happy here and I'm content here. And, you know, if I, if I were to stay here for the rest of my career, I'd be happy with that. Mm. Nice, nice. Yeah, you, you did have um, a background in football, if I'm right in thinking that as well. Have you, like, used your... Uh, coaching know-how and skills and then brought that into swimming have any of those skills been transferable at all um sort of sort of i mean i got involved i mean i used to play football i used to play as a goalkeeper um when i was young i used to be in academy for plymouth argyle and um so i've always had a passion like i love football um as well and for me having the science background i think swimming's a bit further back than sports like football and, and athletics. I think mm-hmm. they're just a bit more ahead, like with the money involved. So for me, I've always looked at what are other sports doing that swimming can learn from. Um, I think in football, I haven't been able to take away too much. I mean, I was sort of the sports scientist for the women's football team at, at the university for a couple of years. Um, and I was just in charge of like the warm ups and then just making sure they're primed and ready to go out on the field. I mean, in terms of activation in swimming, um, I think that's that's went on leaps and bounds in the past few years. So I think that's on a par. Recently, I've got a couple of friends in British Athletics and I've had a great opportunity with the National Centre set up at Loughborough to go and observe sessions there. And, and that's been very interesting just to observe a 400 metre runner who is running for 44, 45 seconds and then actually looking at those sessions and going, right, 400 meter runner is quite for the time he's running is quite similar to you know 100 freestyler so what what can i take away from that Mm. um and i've been able to again implement and experiment what i've seen into my program working with my success yeah i think so i've had a good buy-in it's things like um 
for those athletics guys doing sprints but having you know four or five minutes rest or even sometimes just saying to them like we'll go when you're ready however long you need i mean it's different on the track because they can be on there all day if they want whereas obviously in a swimming pool if you've got two hours you've got two hours um but i think especially when volume's low in a week for me if i've got speed week or approaching taper i do like to adopt that sort of philosophy and the swimmers love that it's just like oh I've just got to do a 25 when I've got, you know, four or five minutes rest. I'm like, yep. Yeah. So, oh, happy days. <laughs> oh, man, that must do so many wonders for morale. Like, just thinking about that, I, I, I can relate to that attitude in the gym, like lifting weights, but I don't think I've ever had that attitude in a swimming pool. I can just imagine no. when, I don't know, it's almost taking mental ownership as well. Like, yeah. you could sit there all day and just not go, but actually you've, you're almost... Does it relate to like psyching yourself up for a race almost? Like you're you're building to this point where there's no set time that you got to go, but you know you're going at some point. You know you're racing, and you've got yeah. to get yourself ready to go for it. Oh man, there's so many parallels percent. with that. Yeah, thousand percent. It's like things like when they're doing power efforts on the track, they've got like a sleigh or like a the parachutes and stuff like that. And obviously in swimming, you've got parachutes. Mm. And then for me, I like to use power towers doing 15 meter efforts like that and again that's um similar to the track where they're just doing short sharp 15 20 meter sprints loads of rest so i love to use the power towers mm. do 15 meter reps and i try and get the guys to go off two minutes but they're so eager to go again and try and <laughs> fill the bucket up and, and pull it in it's just yeah it's an ego ego feel yeah, <laughs> Now, some people listening in might think like, oh, if I do 25 meters and then get four minutes rest, that's like, that's so easy. But it, is it is it that easy? Like, what would you say to that? It, it, sprinting for me is a bit of a perfectionist sort of arena. Like, I, it seems actually quite difficult to do. Yeah, I mean, I actually just come off a, a test week with my group. So they swam 18K for the whole week, which was music to their ears coming down from, I think we'd come down from 30 the previous week. And I said, right, there's only going to be two hard sessions, but you're going to have a lot of rest. You're going to do competition warm-up, suit up. I want you to prime as if it was a competition. And then we're going to get into it. I want 100% effort. I said, the meat isn't going to be high, but I just want that quality. Um, And... They really loved it, but it was hard and it harder than they thought it was. But again, I think it's that thinking of when you haven't got a lot of reps, I think you do try that extra 10 or 20%. Yeah. I mean, I've done sets in the past as a swimmer. I mean, at Plymouth, a classic taper set that John Rudd used to get us to do right before taper started was 10.50s off the blocks off three minutes. Mm. And it was, you've got to go max from the start. I mean, as a swimmer, it was brutal, um, mm. and it was the sort of thing of if you puke, the set stop sort of thing. Um, but I would question now. I mean, I've done it when I when I had my AU group. I did used to do it a couple of times, but based off feedback and just watching and tracking times, people do hold back at the start because they know what's to come. Whereas last week, when I'm saying to the guys, right, um, you got four fifties, all out on three, four minutes, um, mm. and, it, and it needs to be 100% from the start, um, they're there like, oh, 450s, that's all right, that's fine, I get loads of rest, I can do that. And don't get me wrong, like the range, like when I've tracked and analysed um, their reps, they went from being 
for instance, one athlete, 1% off their PB on the first rep. So I thought, right, tick, he's done what I've asked. And then they've dropped off then by three seconds come the end. And then we've got lactates to back that up. And it's things things like that is, and they've said to me, oh my God, that hurt a lot more than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I didn't think that was the direction you were going to go. I thought like you give them 450s and then it's like, like that thing where you say, okay, right, four more then. After you've told them, you like surprise them with another set. But actually, you're it's it's working smarter rather than harder. If that well, no, you're still yeah. working hard. But do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'd just probably say for me as a coach, it's I've got my science background. I think a lot of people chase meters and chase volume. Sometimes I do think that is important, but I also think that yes, chasing ballpark figure in terms of volumes is important scientifically. But ultimately, I think it is there is that element of quality over quantity sometimes. Mm. I think working with sprinters, I think that's the challenge that I have when freshers come in, first years come in, and they've done, you know, some sprinters have come in and oh, I've done a six, seven K session twice a day. And then they come in with me and, you know, for my group, they train some t- six sessions up to seven sessions a week. And they're like, oh, once a day, that's not enough. And they're <laughs> like, just wait and see. Okay. <laughs> Why Why is it sprint training that interests you more than your middle distance or long distance training? Um, I think coming from being, I mean, I'll be honest, I was a 200 swimmer at, when I swam, but I always had that, oh, I'd love to do the 100. I, I'd love to focus on that. Um, and I think when I started my placement and I was Ian Hume's assistant, mm. seeing seeing those sets and seeing him work with the athletes he worked with, you know, like Marie Wattel at the time, those sort of calibre of athletes, and then obviously like Louise. Um, I was like, wow, this is incredible. But don't get me wrong, um, I was also assisting Andy Manley, mm-hmm. and then obviously, and I still do now, I still, I still help him out in sessions with Dan and Felix, and it's phenomenal watching the amount of metres they crunch and how fast they're swimming. It's it's mm-hmm. mind-boggling. Um but I think for me, I think my pure passion is definitely sprinting. But I laugh because I've got quite a big range because I also help out with Andy's open water athletes. So Alistair right. and Toby. I've, I've seen you at the open water <laughs> competitions, yeah. Yeah, so I've, I've been able to volunteer with British Swimming and go away to like Europeans, for example, and the open water cups, World Cups with them and it's a different sport it's great yeah yeah. and I've actually got a passion for that and it is that range of you know back home coaching my group I've got a 1500 swimmer that their race is you know 49 seconds or 22 seconds but then you know next week I might be off and I might be there for someone that's swimming for two hours it's like (laughs) keeps you fresh as well yeah, 100%. 100%. Is, is there anything you're transferring over from your exposure to Andy's like insane distance group to your sprinting program? Is there any like transferable skills, lessons, tips that you're taking? Yeah, I think I've learned a lot from Andy in terms of, um, in, in terms of his philosophy um, and how he writes certain sessions to get what he wants achieved out of it, um, especially like the just even the low-level aerobic sessions um, and just trying to take away the take-homes and then implement it with my group. Um, And just even, it's just speaking to the athletes as well, you you know, talking to Felix, talking to Dan, 
talking to those guys and just being there like what do you like about these sets in particular what do you feel you get the most out of and just basing it off their feedback because i think mm. fundamentally for me i think my philosophy has always been happy swimmer fast swimmer yeah like uh, you know i think if the athlete's happy they're going to swim fast you know do you, I, do you find it as a younger coach like it's easier to be relatable to your your squad because it's not like you're a young coach coaching age group like 15 year olds you're, you're coaching an elite or older like 18 to 22 23 year old guys does that make it easier to have that personal relationship and keep them happier i think so um being 25 i think and, and some of those athletes knowing that i think they do feel like i'm quite approachable mm -hmm. i think that does that does help especially obviously creating that coach athlete relationship um, but that's obviously something that's going to be a challenge for me in the years to come. I think I'm only starting to see glimpses of it now when the first years are coming in and it's like, oh, that's Connor the coach. Whereas before it was like, oh, he used to swim with Connor, like Connor's all right sort of thing. Like he's, just, <laughs> he's helping out, you he can talk to him about anything sort of thing. Whereas now it's like, oh, it's Connor the coach. Like, I, I you know, I, I can't, I can't open up to him. You, you're finding Whereas, like boundaries appear, sort of thing that weren't there before. Yeah, and and that's something I'm learning as a coach now. Um, mm. But also, it's like I, I'm very. Um, I, I think I'm an approachable coach. I think just because I am just open with like and um, sympathetic with them about, you know, I've done a six week aero block with my sprinters, and I've said to them like, look, it's going to be a hard six weeks for you guys. Like being sprinters, it's you know, volume's going to get high, it's going to get tough sort of thing but trust me get through it and you'll reap the rewards after whereas i think from my personal experience uh, of of coaching uh, or just from what i've heard from other coaches it's there like you've got to do this and there's no ifs and buts about it and it's just very much like all regimented and just like sergeant major sort of thing whereas i think for me because i'm there like look guys this is why we're doing it it is going to be tough this is why it's going to be tough but these are the benefits you're going to reap afterwards. Mm. So yeah. I think it's one of those things. I think having those one-to-ones as well, for me, I think works really well. And just asking them about them because they're, they're humans. I think this is mm. pitfalls that some coaches do. But I think some of them view them as objects, but they're not. They're humans, mm. you know, and sometimes it's good to talk to them about things outside the pool and it makes them open up and, and actually relax. Um, asking them about like how uni's going, or when their next holiday's booked, or what they've done recently outside the pool, just to help them de-stress or relax. There's those sorts of things. I think we're, I think some of us are so just. We're only what's important is just what's in these doors, and that's it. Mm. That, mm. You know. Well, there's more to it nowadays, isn't it? Is you get the physical training, but then of course, let's class that as mental training. It's making sure that they're mentally healthy and their you know morale is high and they're feeling happy about themselves. That's all part of it. What is it you enjoy the most? about sprint coaching because essentially being a sprinter is being perfect for you know 20 seconds 45 seconds ironing out the fine details of every little bit of breakout and underwaters etc what is it you enjoy the most good question um yeah that's a good question it's i think it is the fine details for me mm. being science background it, everything matters and i think from coming from a physiology background, it is like I like, love to break things down. So I do a lot of video analysis for my group, um, and it's just 
what can be better? What, what's good here? What can be better? Let's go and do it again. Let's try something different. You, you know, um, for example, Calvin Fry, who I worked with last year, came in when I had um, my first one-to-one with him. I was like, what do you think you do well, technically? Start like, oh, my start. My start's good. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, let's have a look at it. And I think over, over that season, we actually found quite a few things to tweak with his dive and like I think he openly said like oh I, I thought my dive was really good but actually we're tweaking quite a lot here and I'm like yeah and you know it's one of them it's just let's try something different test it time it watch it back is it better yes or no no we go back to the original plan if not brilliant let's carry on yeah. I've seen his dive it is pretty good or well, I saw it a few years it? ago <laughs> So yeah, I'd be I'd be grateful to see what it's like now. Do you <laughs> do you think to be a sprint coach you need to be that detailed orientated? No, I I, I don't think so. Um, I think it. I think it's just it's different, isn't it? I think everyone there's no one way to coach, and I think I've learned that. I think mm. from just our coach's office. I think us four coaches are very different. And I think that's good. And I think Andy's Andy's quite um, receptive of that. And that's what makes us quite good because he, he turns around to the athletes and says, you know, you, you like Z athlete might work well with this coach, but not this coach. But mm. that's why we have four coaches. So if it doesn't work out with one coach or, or you've not got that same relationship, well, try it with another another coach and see if that works. Um, and I think that that's, that's a good balance and a good like um, dynamic that we've got. Yeah, how much? Um, we've talked about the swim training, like you're in the water, let's say six, seven times a week. But how much gym training do you do on top of that? The guys have like from three to four sessions a week, okay. depending on what the purpose or the goal of that period of training is. Um, mm. And it's been quite good. We've got a good, um, close communicative relationship. Our whole support service team. Um, so Chris, our gym coach, would share with him my program for the pool. He can look at it and go, right, let's have a look at my program and let's see how we can formulate a good plan to make sure that if I'm going easy in the pool, he can push it more in the gym. And likewise, because what we don't want is me to me to have a really hard week with my group and then them, you know, slog their way to the gym and then Chris be like, right, we're doing this and then just be like, Oh, I've, I can't give anything. Well, that was kind of one of my, one of my next questions. Obviously you guys are a sprint squad, which is, I assume you'd be doing quite heavy weights in the gym, which can bring about injuries. How do you sort of deal with that? Do you have to deal with more injuries, which gives them more time to recover and rest? Yeah, I think again, I think because we don't train in the pool, like generic or typical programs, like for my group, I think that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually having this conversation with a guest swimmer tonight um, in training where I think because for my group they only have one early morning a week and that's not even every week, like feedback-wise, I just like, I feel like I've got so much more energy to give at the gym, at, at uni when they're doing their work and then at, at the pool, which is great for me because, as I said, like the quality then of the sessions is greater. Um, and because I've got that close relationship with Chris, the gym coach, and we're communicating and going like, how are the guys looking? They're looking great, moods high, brilliant, you know, and likewise, they're asking me, how, how is it in the water? 
Um, I mean, really, in the past two years, I've only had a couple of athletes that have just had minor things. But again, I think because it's not two sessions every day, it's it's not that overuse injury, like with the yeah. swimmer's shoulders, for example. Mm. Don't really see it. Mm. I wonder how many age group swimmers are listening, just thinking, "Oh, no early mornings. What? Can't I know. do that. It's not a thing." <laughs> it's, I think it's one of my challenging things as a coach when the swimmers come in and they're used to swimming twice a day every day, and they say yeah. to me, "They look at my program, they're like, it's not enough." And I'm just saying, like, you, you know, let's just take it one day as it comes, and we'll see. Well, that, that's the good thing. So, if if an athlete really doesn't like my my program it's mm. absolutely fine because then i can refer them to andy wallace who's got the middle distance and distance um version mm. of the, of my group with performance mm. development um and then they can have you know five mornings a week instead and, it, and it's just that fluid program where you know i've had athletes from andy's group come over to me because they just don't think it's for them mm. and it's worked and then likewise both ways but I think I think swimmers start to realise, oh, instead of five or six early mornings, I can do one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't know which bad, lunatic is arguing the other way. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd love to do less early mornings. <laughs> so, um, who in the squad should we be looking out for in well the rest of twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four? Who's coming through? Who you're really excited to see? As a whole team or a squad? Let's start with your squad and then let's broaden it out. Oh, I don't want to put pressure on these guys now. Um, <laughs> I think I've got a few good freshers that have dropped big times already. Um, so, you know, for example, let's say Ollie Watts and Harry Robinson. I think they're ones to keep an eye on. Um, Ollie, Ollie swam really well at our meet that we've just hosted. He went from 51.6 on his 103 short course to 50.0. So like it's after a couple of months and they're like it's really good and we'd only done a one week of speed it was with that aerobic block that we'd done before that so I was quite happy with that um, Harry Robinson as well like smashing it up at the moment I think because everyone's so happy and just it's a good squad environment at the minute that's mm. that's good mm. um, I think from a returners um, point of view uh, Michael Ripper he's doing good at the minute um, Tom Exel Ben Blowers like. Those guys doing really well. Um, Harriet Rogers as well. Mm. She's she's doing good. Um, she's just recently moved to me. So whole new training philosophy again. So it's just mm. uh, let's see what happens. It's quite a... I think she's quite nervous, but I'm quite excited because mm. we'll see where, where it goes. See, when you have these big-time swimmers come over to Loughborough, let's say they're freshers or someone that's like a swimmer who's come over from a different performance centre or another club... Why isn't a bigger deal being made of that summer when, you know, a big summer signs for Loughborough? You know, why is it not a big deal? Like a transfer deadline day in like football, for example. I mean, I'd love that. I, I think that would be great. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think, I think social media is definitely something we're trying to push on at the moment and try and advertise that. I think common problem that we have at competitions is. Some some other programs don't realise some of these athletes are with us now, mm. or they don't know if they are there who they're working with. So mm. some coaches might ask about an athlete and what they're doing and how, how they're getting on, but they might not know which coach they're actually with. 
Um, mm. So it's, that's a that's a common thing. I think we can definitely be better at it as a program, 100%. Um, and I think we have been really good with our recruitment internationally over the past few years, you know, with the... Louise Hansen, Sophie Hansen, Felix, Andreas, all, all of those caliber sort of athletes have been great. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a difficult one. Yeah. It's interesting because we've had this conversation with what Kyle Sockwell like a few weeks ago about how swimming really needs to like market it itself better. And I, I guess I'd, I'd put it on some of the swimmers to take ownership. Like if you're. Yes, I, I know you used to run the social media and you used to put up the results of who swam at, like, say the whole squad's gone to a big meet. But if you're a swimmer who potentially wants to get a bit more attention, maybe show people where you're racing, show what club you're racing for. Like, if you've gone to a Loughborough, that, that's a big deal. You People should know that. Yeah, um, And it, it goes all the way up because there's, there's swimmers there that we know of who are training at your squad that maybe British women don't actually know. Like, and they are national champions like it's like mm. yeah the the transparency in swimming i think is maybe just missing a little trick in gaining yourself some exposure and helping yourself out yeah exactly yeah. exactly i think like for us it's i think the love for swimming account's got i think four and a half thousand followers but mm. you know like louise for example she's she's got more than that Mm. so it's like what we've said before is is like oh when we had our competition oh please can you advertise it because you've got better reach mm. but it, as you say i definitely think there's a better way that this can be done i think for clubs in britain 1000 percent, 100 percent. um connor it's been a lot of fun talking to you this evening now we do usually finish with some quick fire questions and we've got a coach's edition so Brilliant. what is your favorite stroke to coach i probably have to say freestyle who is your swimming idol? Um, I think growing up, Ryan Lochte. Mm. I think like for sure. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what's your proudest moment in swimming so far? Oh, good question. Um, I think emotionally, I think um, there's one athlete that got an individual gold medal in the summers, um, just gone. I think the journey that they had uh, and to get that medal, I think it meant a lot, I think, for me and him. Um, so that was great. I'd probably, if not that, I think, for me, being able to go to a European Championships with the Open Water team was a big highlight of mine as well. Wow. Nice. Uh, nice. What's the hardest set you've ever given out? Oh. The 450 was that one of the harder ones? <laughs> yeah, I think I'd have to go back to my AU days to be honest. I think it would have been a set like 1050s hmm. um, on three minutes, grabbing the buckets out, putting the chairs out. <laughs> and yeah, I think that, yeah, was definitely one of the ones. Nice, yeah. nice. And final question get to know you a little bit away from the swimming pool. If you were to go on a road trip, you can take friends, family, celebrities, anyone you fancy who would go with you. Um, probably a cop out. Um, I've, I'm definitely a family person, definitely family orientated. Um, so I probably have to say my mum and my stepdad and then my nan, 
Although I would say it would have to be a short road trip because if it was a long one, I think we'd be pulling our hair out <laughs> all the way. So, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, Connor, it's been so much fun talking. I've really enjoyed going into the intricacies of sprint coaching and um, really like insightful philosophy as well about how to train swimmers. And best of luck for you, the squad, and everyone at Loughborough Uni for the rest of the year. Mm. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Connor. It was amazing to hear about everything to do with sprinting and uh, hopefully it goes well for you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really glad we had this podcast because so often in the world of swimming, sprinting gets labelled as the lazy aspect of swimming. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's the yeah. easy option out. It's, oh, they're not doing very many metres. They're not working hard. But for me, Connor... The way he explained, the way he runs his program up at Loughborough has busted that myth. Yeah, I mean, I take the mick out of you because you used to be a sprinter and I was more the distance swimmer. And yeah. I was moaning that, oh, yeah, your sets are so much easier because you don't have to swim as far. Yes, you're working more intensely, but we're doing more meters and we have to do more of it. We have to do more sessions. But actually, because of that intensity, the sessions are really quite tough. I mean, he said what was, what was one of his hardest session was 450s, Four but that was 50s. it. 450s off, what was it, like five minutes, give or take. Yeah. Um, but it was all out. And you, you, these guys are really feeling it after just number four. And that that's really what it comes down to. These guys are training for 20, 30, 40 seconds, whereas, you know, in the middle distance are two minutes, four minutes longer. So it is fine details, like he was saying. And, um, yeah, it's not the easy way out at all. It is actually quite difficult to be a sprinter. No early mornings. I, I really appreciated that as a philosophy for a swimmer. Um, especially, yeah. like, actually, it was... I think that shows a bit of like the product of British swimming that swimmers are coming into his setup and are shocked that they don't have to swim mornings. Maybe like there's slightly too much emphasis on morning swimming. Like I know, especially at a young age, it is hard because clubs before school, time. before that's mm. the pool time they've got. Yeah, yeah. but I, I thought, like there's so many swimmers we've spoken to on here, and they they're Olympians and they didn't swim mornings. Like there's a logic to be had here if you're a parent that maybe your kid doesn't need to be pushed. It's not the be all or end all. I think that's what you're yeah. trying to say there. Yeah, yeah maybe I I mean, we we've spoke about it with Adam and Duncan. They didn't pro start properly properly training until they were 14. They didn't 15, do any mornings until yeah. that, you know. So it is. It's not the end of the world if you're not doing any mornings. But I think the problem is when you come to these, let's say, the smaller clubs. The, the pool time is in the morning, you know, and so the sessions they do have to go and swim at that point. Um, going back to Connor, I think one of the biggest takeaways for me was that he was allowed to almost do, I think his own words were, do what he wants. Almost experiment. A lot of experimenting. Yeah, I thought that was really quite interesting. But, you know, a big setup like Loughborough, you think, right, it's got to be done kind of a certain way. You know, you've got to get results, get performances out of there. But actually, yes, he was a volunteer at the start, but he was allowed to do whatever he wanted to see what works. And mm. I'll tell you what, he got some good results going from county swimmers or regional swimmers up to, you know, British level swimmers, you know, it's quite incredible, really. Yeah, I think that there's a lesson there for coaches who might be listening and who have got to this point in the podcast is widen your horizons, not just to other swimming clubs. Like Connor's mm. learned a lot of his lessons because he's on this amazing campus at Loughborough where there are, there's rugby, there's football, athletics, yeah. there's everything, there's football that are of the highest quality in this country. But you don't necessarily have to have that on your doorstep for you to go looking. 
Like if you mm. just approach a professional club, say a rugby team in your area or an athletics team in your area, just maybe there's lessons to be learned if you step away from a swimming pool for a bit. I, th- I think really interesting that he's one of the younger coaches in the scene coming through and that's what he's looking at to further his swimmer's development. Yeah, and it's not too far dissimilar from our chat with Matt Trodden, who is trying to sort of revolutionise swimming a little bit by doing different things, and he's almost mm. experimenting a little bit as well. And so it's not just about ploughing up and down the pool, it's doing these little bits and pieces that can actually make a difference to every kind of swimmer, I, I suppose. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. So that was my biggest takeaway anyway. Yeah. And for the second podcast in a row, we've had a person involved in swimming who says a happy swimmer makes a fast swimmer. Well, there you go. It says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So that just about rounds up this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a comment on YouTube if you have any topics that you want us to cover for the rest of 2023. We've uh, we've got some really interesting podcasts lined up, but there's Mm -hmm. some gaps. There's some gaps that we could fill. There are. So... Until then, though, me and Dan will be back in seven days' time. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you on the next one. You've been listening to the Propulsion Swimming Podcast with Scott and Dan. We want to thank you for joining us and invite you to subscribe to the show as well as checking out the Propulsion Swimming YouTube channel for weekly tutorials and videos to get your swimming fix. We will be back next week. Until then, we'll catch you on the next one.